Thank you for listening to Bakersfield Observe, the podcast with Richard Bean. This podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Centric Health of Bakersfield. Welcome to Bakersfield Observe with Richard Bean, a podcast for and about Bakersfield and Kern County. Richard's guests are newsmakers, influencers, and personalities who address topics of interest to you and your neighbors and your community. The discussion is fast, informative, and always civil. Now, here's your host, Richard Bean. Welcome to Bakersfield Observed Podcast with Richard Bean. I am Richard Bean, and welcome, everybody. We're broadcasting today from the American General Media Complex here on Eastern Drive, right off Highway 99 and California Avenue. I'd like to welcome everyone today and give a big shout-out to all you people who reached out to me regarding last week's podcast featuring Joelle Castex. Now, she was an expert on sexual assault and abuse. I heard a lot from many of you about my conversation with her in which she talked about the reluctance of victims across the country to come forward when the community rallies around an accused predator. Uh, that uh, is our most popular prod, uh, podcast podcast. Uh, as up yet in that conversation, along with the previous week, conversation I had with Jeremy Adams on critical race theory are two of our most popular podcasts. We hope that you're going to like this one today. We'll be chatting with Pastor Angela Frazier about our woke culture and again, critical race theory. I'd like to welcome all of you to the show and welcome my producer, Mr. J.R. Flores, who joins me today from the producer booth. How are you, Mr. Flores? Oh, God is good, Richard. Just blessed to spend the afternoon with you and the listeners out there. How, how are you doing, sir? Could not be better, Mr. Flores. I could. You know what I'm in? You know what's happened to me, J.R.? Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm scared to ask. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's okay. all good. I mean, I, I, I've had, I, I think I'm in a period of my life here. Let me ask you if you had one of these periods. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm being serious. <laughs> I was going to say, at your age, that's scary. Cause well, I know. Acceptance comes into play. And <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end is near. I'm at it. Well, maybe, maybe that's why I'm having this. But no, I'm feeling, Jr. that there's a lot of like loose ends in my life that are being tied up. Right? You're, you're getting all those. I'm getting them. I'm getting all my affairs in order, that's Mr. Flores. That's right. No, I don't. I, I, I'm not being facetious about it. But I had a, a really great conversation with one of my daughters, who I haven't had the greatest relationship with. So. Those are important. Those are, are important. Those are very right. important. Yes. Right. And, you know, it, it, things come through and I, I'm not, uh, I'm not one to ignore these, these signs of positivity, JR. I grab onto these signs of positive change and say, you know, I'm going to wrap myself in, in this and roll with it. And it's one of the reasons I love talking to Pastor Frazier, uh, about this because really life is all about relationships and people and, and being open to conversations we might not be open to otherwise. How was your Father's Day? Speaking of conversations and relationships with that beautiful daughter of yours, Miss Lily. Yeah, 
the the reason for being a dad. And that's, yeah, uh, no yeah. kidding. Did, yeah. you, did you guys go out of town? We did. We went down to uh, Long Beach for the day, hit the aquarium, hung out in Santa Monica oh. at the beach, and Ooh. just kind of had a beach day. And yeah, yeah pulled up, and uh, while everybody else was sitting at 110 degree weather in Bakersfield, we uh, we were enjoying the 70s. Nice. Yeah, I rolled up and was like, uh, I think I need a sweater. Yeah. Now, was Santa Monica? Tell me about the beach. Did did you see a lot of the homeless like you do in nearby Venice? Uh, not a whole, whole ton. They're, they're there, uh, if you really, really look, but, uh, not, not in the aspect of, of Venice beach. No. Okay. Okay. All right. Weather was good down there. Oh, it was beautiful. Overcast. The sun wasn't out. Didn't even need nice. sunblock. 70 degrees. Yeah. Just, yeah, it was beautiful. What a great afternoon for you and the young lady. Yeah. And then That's we hit the, the Long Beach Aquarium. We, we never been there. So, uh, that was a good day and spent about four hours there and just kind of hung out and touched jellyfish and stingrays and Ooh. stuff Ooh. like that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, happy Father's Day to you, yeah, my friend. Yeah, happy Father's Day to you. you know, so. And I mean that sincerely, Jer, because I know what it means to you, your relationship with your daughter. I've seen you together. I admire the time you put in. And that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, it's about the effort you put into your relationship with your child, and you are doing it in spades. So my hat's off to you. My my favorite saying has always been, and even before I was a, a dad, is the most you can spend on any child is time. Oh, that's perfect. That's the mm-hmm. most you can spend. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Very good. All right, well, let's get to it. We're going to be talking to Pastor Angelo Frazier. He's going to be coming up here about the woke culture, political race theory. If you remember, if you were uh, a, a regular on our JR's and I show here on KERN, Pastor Frazier joined us every Monday. I'm trying to find a way, such a popular guest, to get him on the podcast uh, more often. So we'll open it up. Today, we're here with Pastor Angelo Frazier. Well, once again, I'd like to welcome Pastor Angelo Frazier from River Lakes Community Church. It's been a while since I've seen you, Pastor Frazier. Great to see your smile here, sir. Well, it's great to see you, too, in person with the Bing. Just remember, folks, back to Bing. You are back. We've got the band back together, don't we? You know? How have you been, my friend? I'm doing well. Doing well out in, out in the community, doing what I believe God has called me to do. What... Does it occur to you sometimes when you get up in the morning what a crazy world we live in? I mean, nah. I, yeah. I mean, I have a friend who says this is the upside down world. Everything you thought was right is is wrong, and everything yeah. that was wrong is right. How do you see it? No, I think there's nothing new under the sun. It's always been crazy, and this is why the gospel is here. I think now with social media, we get to see it a lot more, and those things are emphasized a lot more, but I think it's just as crazy as it's always been. I can't imagine living in uh, the Roman times. I mean, Colosseums, where you could, <laughs> couldn't could turn on the TV, but you could go down and uh, see your buddies tortured and eaten by the lions. That would be kind of interesting today, huh? <laughs> well, aren't we metaphorically <laughs> doing that in some way? Yeah. Uh, to, uh, per- perhaps not in the Colosseum, but verbally assaulting and, and destroying people? Absolutely, yeah. we are. And we're, we're doing it for different reasons now. And I, I think one of the, I've always said this, even though there's a racial component to it, I think power, uh, class, and um, and control are the three areas that, that are really being manifest now. And people see that. They want power. They want this class warfare, and they want control. Talk, talk to me about that. I asked you to come in because we've had conversations uh-huh. before about the woke culture and kind yeah. of where the world is. And is it, a, you know, Black Lives Matter yeah. and, and, and these different movements? And now that we have the Biden administration and the concessions yes. to some of the uh, to some of this side of the argument, how yep. does it all strike you? Does this strike you as something that 
will self-correct at some point in the country? Or are we looking at movements that are here to stay? I don't know. I have a crystal ball, but I know in 1968 when the when the riots broke out in Washington after King was shot, uh, you know, these conversations were being had too. Uh, you know, there's the end of the world. What do we got to do? Uh, let's let's make a holiday. You know, all these kind of things. And really, I think what we have to go back to is the family, the structure of the family, uh, because you know, if we don't define the problem, we, we're still going to be shooting uh, things at things that are really not uh, symptoms. And so, yeah, I'm concerned that a lot is happening at once, and I'm also concerned that the emphasis is put on the negative first instead of the positive. And if you really want people to have solutions, we got some bright people out there, but unfortunately, if 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 you do have solutions, you are you are beat down and pushed aside and venues like talk radio like uh, your show and things like that I think these are the things that need to be elevated where people can come together and discuss issues without cursing and screaming and yelling and tearing down people so we need more venue we need more talk not less talk we need and I think that'll bring people out but if you just want to emphasize a narrative that basically says that this country at its core is racist and has to be torn down um, I think that's going to present some problems. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Uh, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you were. We, we live in a society where if you say the sky is red and yeah. I say, no, it's blue. Correct. Then you are prone to to right. brand me right. uh, or to demean me mm-hmm. or to put me in a, a if if I don't do anything but anything short of total agreement with you, then I could be a racist. That's I right. could be exactly. Uh, I could be leaning on my white privilege. I could be any number of things. And it seems to me that th- these are always uh, these are ways to end a conversation. Right. Not to continue a conversation, correct? Exactly. You're exactly right. And you, you, you said that. And this is, we talked about this about, what, seven months ago, uh, Kafka trapping. Remember that mm-hmm. whole deal? The, the seven linguistical lies that people use to um, trick you. And by you denying that you're something, it affirms that you are. And so I think we have to learn how to answer those questions. For instance, if someone called me a racist, and they have, I would say to them something like this, tell me a little bit more about that. Lean into it instead of away from it. Not get defensive, open up and say, tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, how did you come to that conclusion? What actions are you seeing from me that, that have you uh, brought that way? And when you do that, you, you then allow that a dialogue instead of a monologue. And it's interesting, you will only get so deep before you reach the person and what they're really doing and their real motives. And actually, they don't know anything about you. They just have a, 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 they were told to say something about you. But you can develop a relationship, which I did down in, uh, when we had the uprising here a number of months ago. Mm-hmm. And, and I met four or five people off to the side that basically told me they were just telling, saying what people told them to say. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So yeah, there's still people under this. Right. And I don't know who's not going to turn and change. And so I can't go in with a preconceived idea just because they're holding the Black Lives Matter or, or whatever flag, then somehow they're unreachable. I, I don't approach situations like that. I approach it, you know, wisely, but I want to listen and learn as I go. Yeah, the, the listening and learning, which is in short supply these days. For example, <laughs> let, let, let's talk about critical race theory. Oh, uh, goody. Okay. <laughs> and you, you ran a, uh, you wrote a terrific piece, 
uh, critical bait theory, you, you call it, in the California. We want to talk about that mm-hmm. as well. But it, here's the thing that, that bothers me, Pastor Frazier. Yep. If, for example, there was a prominent member of our community, the black community, Arlena Fink Waller, I believe you know her, you know, who Kevin McCarthy had come out, Congressman McCarthy, who had come out and said, uh, issued a video, uh, you know, calling into question critical race theory. Her response was to immediately, on Facebook, brand him a racist, right, Uh, saying he didn't get it, he's got to be kicked out of office. And here's my problem with that, uh, Pastor Frazier, and I read, I I, I think I read a lot and, and try to research, and you do too. I'm just scratching the surface on critical race theory. You're more familiar with it than I am. I think I I don't I'm not even sure where what I think of it yet. Mm-hmm. I think we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, I I think this is a national conversation. Mm-hmm. I think national conversations are are good. But we're at a point here at a point in this country if all you do and I'm not defending Kevin McCarthy or his position on critical race theory. I'm just saying I think it's patently unfair that if you disagree with somebody then you have to bear the label of being a racist. I just think that's unfair. It is very unfair. Let me just, I I wrote something here. I read, a critical race theory is an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. The core idea is that racism is a social construct and that it is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policies. So that's really the core issue of, uh, of uh, critical race theory. And basically, uh, Dr. Uh, um, Bell and a number of his other scholars back then concluded because of the way, the, in the 1930s, concluded because of the way the laws were and that certain things weren't happening and, and it was racially divided, that it not only must be in the people's skin, it's in the systems as well and the policies. Therefore, they they built this whole idea of the critical race theory. Now in schools, it's not going to be called that. It's going to go under diversity. It's going to go under, you know, uh, anti-racist this and that kind of thing. And I I just happen to believe human rights, gay rights, and civil rights are not the same thing. They're not, even though they're classified Talk to me the about same that. thing. Well, I, one of the things rights come from God. They cannot be taken away from you. That's different than the rights or the privileges I believe that government gives you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the, the rights right, via God versus rights via the Constitution. Exactly. Okay. There, there's a major difference, and I think we have this issue between everything's a right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw at the city hall the other day, and you know, they have a right to. No, you don't have a right to just tear people down. You're abusing a privilege of it, and so I think we have to go back to some basic fundamentals. But critical race theory brings out some real issues and some disparities that were really happening. And so there's nothing wrong with that in itself. It actually, there were factual, historical wrongs done to people. And I, absolutely, that has to be changed and dealt with. A lot of that has been changed, you know, through the Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. Now, Civil Rights Act is not perfect. There are a number of things that are still at issue. But the system, you can't do what you did in the 30s now. Mm-hmm. Without going to jail, mm-hmm. uh, so I I think the premise of the the, the core value of the core issues of the critical race theory uh, don't allow for redemption, and they basically said because of your racial makeup, because of your racial makeup, you are inherently 
bias. You cannot, you are unredeemable. So for us, uh, so then critical race then, the, the moral compass has nothing to do with a heart change anymore. It has to do with a societal change and a hierarchy change. And we go back to that power control um, that, I, that, that I mentioned earlier, power control and class. Until this ruling class, i.e. the white people, are submitted to the other class, which I believe will be the black people, this thing will never be right. So we have to take our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, because these were founded documents according to 1619. Um, that was the foundation of our country, not 1776. 1776 freed the white man, and then 1865 freed the black man, i.e. Juneteenth and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So all these things are playing into this wokeness, this this equity thing. This everything is being pushed into this 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 uh, this race and gender thing, and they're all, as I read before, social constructs, mm -hmm. which means. I can take them and move them around. So your, your maleness is not really fixed. I can play with that. I can oh, add man. that to it. Your race, then, not really fixed. I can, I can mess with that. I can self-identify mm. as a whatever. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you apply social, contracts, social constructs to fundamental principles of rights that do not change, you have this confusion which you have today. And this is why you have young boys growing up thinking that they can become girls and then come back to being boys. Mm -hmm. That's insane. If critical if critical race theory is <laughs> doesn't allow for redemption, it right, doesn't. or says you are unredeemable to use your word. Because of the color of your skin. Because of the color of your skin. And the system we're in. Then 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 is the point of of critical race theory to total up in the system we have to tear down and whether to it's rebuild. articulate or not Redu tear down and rebuild because the system is inherently flawed if 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 you take your car in and they say that you have a nail in your tire or they can just simply change out your tire but if you take your car in and they say your system and your your entire system in your car your brains your motor everything is corrupt it's just it's just beyond repair they have to get you a new one. Right. So they're saying this country is beyond repair. You know the Juneteenth holiday that I have no problem with people celebrating whatever day they want to. You don't have a problem with Juneteenth. I, what, what I have the issue is how it's done. I have the issue in that it is referred to as an independent day, national independent day. We already have a national independent day. So now you have two independent days that are going to be, one is already said to be racist if mm -hmm. you have the flag and this whole mega, by the way, I sent you the information. Mm -hmm. If you even say, make American great, that's considered subvertly racist. And so this is going to be de-emphasized and this will be emphasized. I have no problem with the celebrating the fact that slavery is over. Mm -hmm. Where I do have an issue with when you juxtapose these two things together. Are we saying then... As, as, as a black man, am I saying I was not free in 1776? Mm -hmm. So I have to wait till now. And then the thing I don't understand about this, if, if we are going to elevate Juneteenth, 1865, to a national holiday, why are we tearing down Lincoln's statue? Mm. He was the author of the... Uh, well, how, right, how right. How does that work? I say let's put this together. Let's celebrate Lincoln. Let's celebrate this 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 change in this country. So then the 4th of July then is, I think, healthier, means a lot more. People understand it more. People didn't have Facebook and social media back then. Things took a while to get across the country. Mm -hmm. But then to elevate um, 
this. And, you know, Texas did it forever and ever. I had no problem with that. I think you celebrate whatever holiday you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to call it a National Independent Day is, I think, going to be difficult, especially in our racial mix that we're in now, where you're going to have to just, if, if you elevate that, you're going to have to de-elevate. You can't have them both. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like heterosexual marriage and homosexual marriage. You can't, it, it, they, you're not going to have, you're not going to have yeah. both. I'm okay. not saying, you know, you know. anyway, so. I but, just, it, 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 we're creating conflicts. Right. What, what, what do you, uh, <laughs> I know it, 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 it's a lot. Well, what, what do you say to people who say, well, there he goes again? I yeah. mean, Pastor Frazier sounds like some angry old white guy wow. who is threatened by this new way of teaching that, that, that simply acknowledges that there is institutional racism and that that, that is part of our, our society and you can't understand the development of America yeah. until you understand its role in society. Yeah. And people like Angela Frazier come mm-hmm. on and say, the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, I, I don't believe that there is systemic institutional racism. I believe there have been racists in our institution. Now, that's clearly different. Um, uh, and so I, I believe... I think when you say a system is flawed and you really can't prove by its core that it is, then I can't accept that presupposition. Um, that's like going into a case that I know the person's guilty without even looking at the evidence. So I need to see the evidence of how you say systemic. If you look at Stokely Carmichael, he was the one who came up with the term systemic racism. Even Martin Luther King back then looked at him as like, eh, you know, we're not, that's, that's kind of fuzzy math you're doing here. I think there are issues there. There are, and don't get me wrong, there, I, I, look, I grew up in a racially charged environment. But to say that a person's skin color is determinative of behavior, I, that is a bridge too far for me. I just do not, I, my biblical presupposition don't allow me to, to believe that. And even when, before I was a Christian, I didn't believe that. I think we need to look at character and look at the people who are uh, projecting this. For instance, we have this thing, gun violence. That to me is the most idiotic, it's like uh, social media is bad, guns are bad. No, it's what people are doing with guns. It's what people are doing with social media. It's what people are doing with their vehicles. So let's not demonize the things. Let's look at how people are using it. I mean, otherwise, uh, anything that's bad that I don't like, I can get rid of. Right. Let's look at the problem, and the problem is the family structure. That's the biggest issue whatsoever. The family structure is collapsing under the community pressure that uh, families have to be redesigned, or I know in the Black Lives Matter case, they were going to destroy the nuclear family or rearrange the nuclear family. Of course, they took that off their website now. But the idea was, we, 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 we want to reimagine our police, we want to reimagine our families. Mm-hmm. We want to reimagine societal structure. So no longer can you say male and female, because that's offensive to people. We're having teachers put out uh, getting, uh, you know, losing their careers because they don't address somebody by their pronouns and this kind of thing. We have, um, you know, 40, 50-year-old men entering in uh, girls' locker rooms. That is that is not safe. That is not wise, and that is not about privacy. So we need to go back to the fundamental, basic things that do not contradict biology and science. 
When you uh, uh, you <laughs> look back on the right. arch of history, because this is this this critical race theory and the mm-hmm. way it's being presented mm-hmm. is the way a lot of things are being presented now are very confrontational. They're it very is. you're with us or you're not, and if you're not, you're we're going to demonize well, you. Well, one reason yeah. why it's confrontational, I think, the biggest reason because they're trying to do it to the kids. The kids have no ideas. Kids aren't born racist. They're told taught to be racist. Kids have no idea. Why is a second grader? Um, uh, being told that his white friends are oppressing him. <laughs> that, that makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. A second grade is concerned about eating boogers. <laughs> and yeah, right. dirt. I mean, what, why are you doing this to kids? Right. Because they can't produce it naturally, so they have to go and, 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 and try to uh, indoctrinate kids before they realize between whatever. I mean, some of the books on sex they're giving these second, third graders are, are, are books on, you know, masturbation and or to a second and third grader. Yeah. How right. is that beneficial right. when the kids don't even know where their ears are? Right. Um, I don't think that's helpful. So, yeah, I think there should be. You should not be doing that to kids. Adults can argue all day long, but do not be doing that to kids. Yeah. Do you, I, I have found when I've addressed this subject before, Pastor Frazier, either with you or without you or with other people or whatever, that I will get polite but persistent blowback yeah. from people in certain academic circles, oh, absolutely. Universal, I know u- so. university circles, you, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. and the message is clear, and the message goes like this, you know, you really shouldn't be, and I'm singling you out, they didn't yeah. say this about you, yeah. there, but they, they, it would go like this, you really shouldn't be, you wasted your time talking to Angela Frazier about this, mm-hmm. you should be talking to us about this. Right. Because most people don't understand it, right. Right. and you need to talk to somebody on our campus who exactly. is deeply embedded on it. Right. And to which I would say, well, isn't that the problem? I if say, I yeah. need an expert to, to to explain it to me, mm-hmm. then then something's wrong here, right? It's something mm-hmm. wrong. I would say bring in all the voices. I I'm not going to tell you who not to speak to. I say speak to the racists. Mm-hmm. I, spe- I say speak to the bigot. I say speak to the person with a different point of view. Let's flush it out. Let's take a look at where it's coming from. Let's, let's decide whether this was an isolated a- event or this is some systemic universal presupposition we need to come up with. Mm-hmm. See, where I, where I draw the line is that if something happens to this guy in Florida, that doesn't make it universal. I don't care right, what the color right, skin is. Right, and so I right. say bring in the differences, bring mm-hmm. in the idea. This is why my latest article, I said the, the critical bait theory, we are being baited into this because you think about this. On the same day, and I saw this the other day, and Richard, you, you probably heard the news on it, when this tragic situation happened in Florida where some guy uh, rode his car into a gay pride parade or, or yeah. whatever happened. Well, the first thing that I saw on the news was terrorism, you know, the mm. whole deal, it was all day, all day. I was turning on the news and off as I'm driving in my car, and it was the gay pride thing to get there. At the same time, in that same time period, eight people were killed in Chicago. Mm. Not a peep. Mm-hmm. Not a peep. We are being baited into this racial, um, uh, this, this, this racial, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of, this uh, kebab or whatever it is. And, 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 and I say don't take the bait. I say yes, there are real issues. And they find out the guy in Florida, it wasn't a terrorist attack. They found out his foot was 
Yeah. Stuck in the uh, between the thing. But the news terrorist attack, gay pride parade, and then, you know, laws are being crafted because, you know, gays are being killed in the streets. And I'm, my head's going to explode by noon. I'm going, what the heck is going right. on? Yet yeah. eight people in Chicago, not a word. So I say when we lose one life, it's tragic. But do not emphasize this life because of a, a gender issue or a race issue. Let's mm-hmm. handle them accurately and be fair in the news. And you were a former news guy. Um, let's, let's call the news. Right. It's tragic that on that day, 10 people died. Right. But to elevate this one above that right. is, I think, unconscionable, and it hurts the public at large. Right, right. What, what, do, you, <laughs> what do you think the effect is on, on people when, and I'm talking about, you know, white people in, in this case, if, it, it, here's my point. It just seems to me when you, when people feel like they're being lectured to, yeah. and they're say, if you don't believe like me, you are X, you know, a, if yeah. I'm in a if if I'm in a room right. uh, now, depending on my mood, yeah. you know, I'm either going to shut down and yeah. go, I'm not part of this conversation. Yeah. I'm going to walk away mm-hmm. because I'm going to say something I'm going to regret, yeah. or I'll just say something I'm going to regret right there. But my point is, when you're directing this uh, these accusations at one side of the room, you're you're poking the lion there. You're not asking for a constructive conversation, are you? you know? Well, you're not. You may not be, but then this this is where it starts. They may not know how to. You know, I've had you you alluded to people in academia. I've had some people contact me, and you know, I'm off the reservation, the kind of thing. And I said, "You mean plantation?" Whoa! <laughs> Threw that word out there. Um, um, and I and I think part of it is that is that they may not know how to dialogue. I don't know. And you're right. I when I get into a situation like that, I w- I, I want to limit it to one or two topics. You know, you can't have a general conversation. So I tell you what, just for the sake of today, let's just focus on the one thing, and we can agree to disagree, mm-hmm. and then peacefully back out of it that way. Instead of retreating totally and going, I can't talk to you because when you do things like that, those type of people with that presupposition tend to be emboldened. I got them. And mm-hmm. I saw that at the city hall the other day. Interesting. Yeah. I saw it. it said, when, We're talking when, about the, the the meeting the other night yeah. or last week, whenever yeah. mm-hmm. about uh, shutting, uh, defunding the police, yeah, right? Defunding police. What did you see there? People, yeah. I saw that um, when when people began to back away from them, they became more and more emboldened. Mm-hmm. When that young guy was in that chamber with his arms folded, and uh, they shut the chamber down and the whole deal on the inside, and they got everybody out and every, except for him. They were cheering on the outside. Mm-hmm. The crowd was emboldening. Look what he did. Mm-hmm. Look what he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is why when you don't remove that person, he becomes a, a, a martyr-type right. situation. And all of a sudden, they'll come back even stronger and stronger. So I think we need to engage, but we need to be firm, and we need to be clear what, what we can and can't do. You can't tell somebody, for instance, uh, uh, you shouldn't say, don't come in my yard because I have a dog, and they jump in your yard and... You just have a sign that says, I have a dog. <laughs> you need to be right. able to back things up. We have to have structure and order. What if we did on our highways, uh, people just decide to drive any way they want to? Mm-hmm. Well, Richard, I see you coming at me, and I'm just going to turn around and drive at you. Mm-hmm. How would that make your day? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have to have order. We agree to certain things out in society, mm-hmm. and we have to do that. We get on a plane. We agree to certain ways to act. Um, and you see nowadays when all bets are off, you get the 40,000 feet up in there and they're punching stewardesses. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want people punching stewards at 40. Right. I don't want that because that yeah. puts my life in danger, their life in danger, everybody's life in danger, and the people on the ground that that plane goes down. So let's agree that there's a there's there's a way there's a decorum, so to speak, uh, that we need to accept when we're out in public. And I think critical race theory and a number of these things that are out there really up in that quorum because yeah. they say it's not about character anymore it's about how you look and Thank so then you. they make a decision about you before you right. even open your mouth right me. yeah right right well th- that that was the point i was I, I i was going to make because you've got this uh, it, it doesn't seem to me this this the, the, this argument appeals to everybody it appeals to people who are extremely judgmental mm-hmm. people who want to be right people who want to yeah. feel better about themselves at uh, at, at the expense of others. And then you have a whole another world of people like most of us are just trying to get along yeah, and it, just trying yeah. to, to when we meet somebody, to make that judgment that you right. just said about who Angelo Frazier is, not who you look like, but who what's in your heart. And so here's my question to you. Is, as you go along and you hear these arguments, you have mm-hmm. these arguments at this kind of academic level uh-huh. and on TV and on CNN and Fox, mm-hmm. and then you have real life. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Tell, I mean, I mean do, you, do you run into a lot of people or who are just really angry to Absolutely. put you in your, in your place? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I run into them a lot more often than I even realize I do run into them. But I see that as an opportunity, first of all. Um, I try not to, to, to have a bias towards them, even though I kind of sense in what they're saying to me, they have a bias towards me. Mm-hmm. I just, you can tell after the first few words, yeah, you know, you, right. you know, don't you? you? Yeah, we all like, know. I, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember one time there was a rally, um, down here at, uh, during the freedom rally that they were doing, um, way back in 2020. And uh, they asked me to come do the invocation and to speak at a, at a it, was a, it wasn't a Trump rally, but it was a, an American first something. And I said, okay, fine. And I would go to a Biden rally. I, if you want me to speak, I, yeah, right. I'll speak to whoever. Mm-hmm. So I went and uh, one of the guys called me the night before and said, um, you know, Pastor, um, if you go to this rally, you know, uh, you will be branded a racist. I was like, really? He says, and if you wear a mega hat, uh, you're really a racist. So what I did, and I had my prepared speech and my, you know, three-minute deal, and I, I changed the whole thing. And the whole thing was I, I, I get to this thing, and I, had a, I brought a Make America Great hat, which costs a lot of money. And uh, so part of my speech was help me to understand, talking to this group, if I put this hat on, I'm a racist. Mm, if I take wow. this hat off, I'm not a racist. Wow. If I put this hat on, so racist, not a racist, right. racist, racist. And this lady comes up to me and goes, um, I feel like you were mocking us. And I said, how so? And she goes, I don't really know. It just felt like you mocked her. So the more and more I talked to her, I found out that she was conservative. She was angry at what she was seeing in the news. And she was buying into the whole idea that Trump and everybody else was a racist. Therefore, I'm a racist. Yeah, right. And if we got to know each other, we're not, I'm not a, I'm not a racist. And I said, by the way, if that's true, why don't you go talk to my wife who's sitting right there. We've been married 26 years. You may as well tell her she's married to a racist. Yeah. <laughs> right. And she looked over at her and goes, right. oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so, yeah. <laughs> how do we get beyond this? I think conversation. Yeah. I think more conversation. 
There are those who want to shut conversation down. For instance, I've had people tell me, get off the internet, get off the platforms, and they went, I go, no, I'm gonna get on the platforms, I'm gonna get on all platforms, well, some of them I don't like to be on, but I think we need to be on the platforms. We need to get and, and, and speak when we can speak. We, don't, we need to speak uh, faithfully. We don't need to be attacking people, but I don't think we need to run and hide. I don't think we need to hide behind our four walls of our church. Mm-hmm. I think we need to get out at these events. Why do I go to these city council meetings? Right. Not to preach to people. I want to hear where they are, and they can have a chance to ask me questions. I'm t- I've gotten to know some really, really cool people. Uh, out of these places. You know, you were talking about being at that city council meeting yeah. with, and when the Black Lives Matter, yeah. the defund the police people. No, this, this was a different the, organization. They oh. were the People's Budget. Oh, People's Budget, yeah, the, yeah, lo- the local group. What yeah. do, what, what's in their heart? What motivates them? Oh, well, I can only, I don't, can't see what's in their hearts. I can see that there's a, uh, a misunderstanding of the budget process. For instance, the police, you know, there are a number of people that deal with the budget, not just the police. Um, so if, if, if you follow where the money goes, there are a number of organizations that make decisions for the budget, not just the police, but they're blaming the police for the budget. So I, so I think information, being informed about how things work, um, I say get involved in the process. I say run for office. Mm-hmm. I told a young guy in Shafter one time, he was arguing with us when we went through the In God We Trusting, he was out there going, I don't think you should put decals up. And I said, well, you're 22 years old. He goes, yeah, you live in Shafter. He goes, yeah. Run for office. Yeah. Get involved in the process. Right. You're standing across the street yelling and screaming at everybody. It can be very tiring. But why not run for office? See if people can believe and follow what your vision mm-hmm. is. Get that there. Change from the inside. And he looked at me and said, no one's ever told me that. Hmm. I said, well, I, you know, even though you're out here yelling at us, well, you're young, you're 20-something years old. Get involved in the process. Find out what it means to, be, to run for city council here. Get involved in that. Then see, then make policy. Mm-hmm. But standing out here threatening people and, 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 and bickering and complaining, you, know, you can do that, but you're not going to get much change. Yeah. So I say encourage people, engage people, especially those that have a different heart than you do, and I don't know their heart, but a different uh, outco- a different view, worldview. I say engage them. I, I love to sit down with people who have different views of me. That doesn't mean we, we're going to agree. I hope they walk away with, you know, I've learned something about him. He's not what I thought he was, and I hope I've learned about them as well. Mm-hmm. But until we get to that place, um, I don't think it's, things are going to get worse before they get better. So I think shows like this, podcasts like what you do, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm saying this not to build you up in the sense. I'm saying this is what we need. We need people to sit across from each other and say why they do believe in critical race theory. What are the proponents of? What are the good things about it? And I can say there are some good things about it. it brings, I, I agree it brings, too. Brings to light some inconsistency, yeah. but I do not agree with the basic premise because redemption does not come through race or some system. Redemption only comes through Jesus Christ, right. and that's what I would believe. And one of my issues is, is the whole concept of of blame. You know that I I I, 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 I understand. Look, uh, I was never taught about in high school or college about the Tulsa massacre. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. I understand. I understand the nuances of mm-hmm. T teaching and history and, and, and that type of thing. But what I think a lot of people worry about, if if this is a curriculum that is do- adopted, there are enough people out there, by the time it's, it's presented to you, your 
son or daughter's class, mm-hmm. it's not going to look, you know, it's yep. going to take on more of the personality of the teacher right. than, than the theory itself, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Know? You're exactly right. The Tulsa thing. We didn't learn that in school either. And I was born in Washington, D.C. I'd heard about it. But I think how it's being used now and when it's being used now, for instance, on Memorial Day and those kind of things where we honor the lives of those fallen, I, I think the timing issue is what I have an issue with. Not what happened. And when you go back and look at what really happened versus what the news is saying happened, there's a lot of discrepancies in that, what was happening. But I think to attribute that incident to some overall um, systemic uh, racial thing, I think is, is a leap like jumping here from the moon. Um, I, I, I think you always have groups of people and things that happen, anomalies that happen in history. Look at the Indians. I mean, we, we, speaking of, we're talking about holidays, where's the Indian holiday? Right. right where's the, right. they were the indigenous people. If we really want to go that way, and then where are the Chinese? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they built the railroads, is right. that correct? They were enslaved. And, and then we need to have a holiday for blacks who enslaved blacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we need to, you know, if, if we want to go that right, way. Right, right. Because there, there's a long road there. We, we got yeah. a lot of people who were enslaved that are part of this country. And I, I haven't even said the uh, Hispanics, Mexicans, let's have a holiday. I'm not talking about just uh, May 5th. You know, let's do a national mm-hmm. holiday. Uh, did, did we not, um, did they not own this country? And there was a whole war and all that kind of stuff going on. So, I mean, I again, I, I you want to celebrate, celebrate. I think that... Uh, when you use a premise of somehow fixing a racial divide by creating racial divide, that somehow doesn't. doesn't exactly. <laughs> how do you fix racism by creating racism? Right. I, I don't. I don't see how that works logically. Last topic: reparations. What do you think? <laughs> Me? When yeah. I think about it. Yeah. First of all, I don't think you can pay your way out of the sins of the past. Um, and besides, 150 plus years ago, I don't. I, you know, my, I have African descent. I am. Uh, I took, took the DNA. I took it twice. Um, I'm what thirty five, forty percent Nigerian. I mean, you know, mm. uh, I think we need to be as specific as possible and deal with the issues that we have and not lump everybody into one deal because you're going to be. I mean, how do you come up with some um, payment to say this is going to fix this? And I don't think it will. I think let's look at. The, the, the structure of the family, let's look at if there are any inherent things that have affected them economically. But I think to give a blanket reparations to people, I, 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 don't, I think that check is going to be, if you do that, it'll always be, be, be paid. I just yeah. I, I, I don't see how that solves much of anything. Okay, really fine. Know. It's been great having you on, Pastor Angela Frazier. Let's wrap it up here. Talk to me about when you get up in the morning. <laughs> Seriously, I admire you. I admire you. No, I, I'm serious because you walk into the lion's den. You mm-hmm. walk into places where it, it could be potentially unpopular for you to be there. You have conversations with people who potentially it could be very difficult because yeah. they may not like you. Well, you know, you are having the conversations you're walking the walk and talking the talk. And I appreciate that. So when you get up in this environment Mm -hmm. and you're thinking, 
you know, how do I, how do I look on the day or how do I, you know, what is in my heart? Is there, yeah. is, is there a mantra uh, or is there an idea or a thought that you keep? There going? is prayer that God used me for the opportunity he puts in front of me. I think one of the things that I lose is as simple as I did as a daily bread. These are, these things have been around for a thousand years, great little stories of, 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 of major things. So I don't have any sophisticated ritual I do. I just want to get up and be usable for God. I don't, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know what kind of, I have some structural things I have to do every day, but I always leave some gaps in there for issues. I'm going to the hospital and doing funerals. Greenlawn will call me and say, a family just lost a loved one over the weekend. Can you do a funeral? Mm-hmm. So I always leave gaps for that. Just being ready and prepared and just uh, being flexible. Like anything else, you always want to be flexible because the wind's going to blow. Bad stuff is going to happen. People are going to misunderstand you. Uh, people are going to misquote you. But I... I see God's hand in all this. I really, really do. In the good, the bad, and the ugly, I see God's hand in this. Some things he causes, some things he allows, but I see his providence in it. So therefore, I feel fortunate every day. Wow. Fortunate every day to get up and know that there are many women fighting for our freedom that I may never know they'll lose their lives. There are men and women teaching kids that I can't remember what I learned in school. <laughs> there, are, there are people out here doing what God has called them to do, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be involved in this, and, and that's what I want to do. I don't, I don't know about uh, God hasn't sent me to change the world, only he can do that. But what little part I have, I want to get up every day and use it to the best that I can do. So when I lay down at night, Richard, it's like, <sighs> yeah. Now, really, let's get some sleep and let's get up and do it again tomorrow. I love it. Well, and you yeah. are one of those guys. I think about you more than you know. Mm-hmm. I think about you, kind. the opportunity you gave me a year and a half ago. Yeah. You said, would you like to be on the show? I was like, wait a minute. This is a systemically racist country. Isn't that supposed <laughs> to have some black guys already? <laughs> <laughs> no, look. I appreciate We that. are fortunate to have you here. I'm, infor- I'm fortunate to have you as my friend, I'm, yeah. uh, and I'm serious about that. But your voice in this community yeah. on this show as we talk through these these things. And I'm going to say this as I wrap it up. Okay. One of the things I love about having you on here is we don't have the answers. Yeah. You know, you'll hear a lot of people on the air who are so cocksure uh, <laughs> of, of their say. I'm not. I'm, I'm still searching here. Yeah. I'm still searching for a lot of things in yeah. my life. And I don't. And I'm comfortable for be, with being a wanderer, not having the answers, because I think in doing so, it leaves me open maybe to surprise, maybe a, maybe a position I didn't think I would have. But I love the search, and I love the search with you, Pastor Frazier. Well, I love that, too. And I don't know the answers, but I know who is the answer. There you go. All right. <laughs> Pastor Angelo Frazier, great to have you on. We're going to get you back. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bakersfield Observe, the podcast with Richard Bean. This podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Centric Health of Bakersfield.